0: This is Jeremiah 17, uh, verses 7 through 10, but let me read verses 7 through 8 first. Blessed are those who trust in God, whose trust is God. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Doesn't that sound good? It's nice, right? In these times we're living in lots of anxieties, lots of uncertainties, lots of strife, uh, division, sickness. Doesn't it feel good to be grounded? In something deeper, something sure, that even amidst it all, there's no worry or anxiety about provision, internal or external. Doesn't it sound good? It sounded really great to 10 year old Aurelia, 11 year old, 12 year old Aurelia. I had experienced an upheaval had a significant trauma um, event in my life, and I was reeling, and I was desperate, and I had a pretty good instinct. That instinct was to lean on God for comfort and support. And I didn't need to go through anyone to do it. I didn't require an adult. I didn't need a priest. I knew God, and God knew me, and that comfort and that security filled me up and sustained me. In time of great need. So I decided to read the Bible, started reading it from front to back. It took a couple years. I read every word, but here's where it might've been helpful to have a little guidance because <laughs> I started from the beginning. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, we read verses seven and eight. And I remember reading them as a kid and amidst that upheaval, those words were so comforting to me. They gave me hope and reassurance. And so I clung to them, I clung to them, sorry, but I also clung to rest. Let me read verses 9 and 10. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their (laughs) doings. The heart is devious. It's deceitful. Don't trust yourself. Don't be confident. Don't take up too much space. Don't lean on your own understanding. (laughs) Because your heart is perverse. And what's more, your goodness is tied to what you do, to how you perform, and to what you can produce this is the message that little Aurelia reeling from trauma absorbed and that message was reaffirmed to me in the youth groups I entered into in the college ministry context where I deepened and strengthened my faith maybe you can relate the message was that my heart was not to be trusted and the way my heart played out in everyday life was through my emotions so my emotions often in relationship with my instincts should be considered suspicious And the irony is that entering into this kind of faith, shifting from the Catholicism of my childhood and into this evangelical framework, the very nature of salvation suddenly changed. Suddenly it was all very heavy-handed and micromanaged. So instead of acknowledging the sanctification that I had experienced over the course of my life, meaning this continual forming, continual growth, this day in, day out, divine presence within me and around me suddenly what mattered was one moment could i point to it if i couldn't point to it my salvation was questionable how could one identify that one moment well it would have been one of high emotion where your heart speaks to you God speaks to you, and you are compelled to be saved, so right there in that moment, you give your life over to God, and poof, voila, you're saved. From what, I wonder now? Burning? Judgment? Exclusion? But after that one intense-filled, emotion-filled moment, don't trust your emotions anymore. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust yourself. You need to listen to these other people, these adults, these pastors, these men, these leaders. You can't be trusted. Swallow what they feed you. Over time, I learned to listen to their interpretations, instructions, and theological lenses at all costs. I came to depend on external guidance, certainty, and prescriptions, and this became my groundwork for my faith paradigm. So then what? I turn around one day and I realize I'm a person who second guesses myself all the time. I'm indecisive, I'm uncertain, I'm a person who has had good ideas but no practice in allowing them to depart from my lips or my fingertips. I'm a person who's not in touch with my God-given creativity. I had allowed myself to believe creative things were reserved for only a select few. I'm disconnected from my instincts, from what my body tries to tell me if I'm tired or if I don't feel good or if I'm overdone. So the result of trusting someone else and following their faith blueprint, the result is that I don't even know how to listen to my own self, my own spirit. This has caused me so much harm because from it I developed an unhealthy faith which took root and spread out within me I have a feeling I'm not the only one I wish I could go back and tell little Aurelia it's not true your heart isn't deceitful you're worthy of trust you've got good ideas you're creative your instincts are worth your undivided attention and you are good without having anything to prove Yeah. Father Rohr has said, Of course we were made in the image of God, but it's equally true that the image, that our image of God creates us. My unhealthy image of God harmed me. Instead of nurturing the truth of amago Day within me, it shrunk me, made me small, and kept me weak.
1: But eventually,
0: hallelujah, I rejected that belief. I was able to let go of harmful images of God that also harmed me. But it didn't take long to realize that it wasn't enough to burn down and dismantle. Deconstruction wasn't enough. Reimagining was in order. And I needed to embody an alternative. Because my body, my habits, and my rhythms still remembered, still reflected the indoctrination of the heart is deceitful. I still operated from that foundation, even as I verbally rejected it. And so I needed more. I needed something else, something solid, something true. You wonder why I talk about Imago Day as much as I do, because it saved me. Now this is salvation I can get behind. A healthy theology that doesn't seek to harm, but prioritizes our wellness, our thriving, our utter goodness. A theology that says you are made in the image of God. You. God's spirit lives within you. Your heart isn't deceitful. That's ridiculous. God is in your heart. Spirit is within you. Trust it. Trust yourself. So many of us don't know where or how to find God anymore. I'm saying trust your heart and find God. But let's check out the text where this all started. Perhaps we can understand why people want to advocate for this unhealthy theology, and maybe we can even make sense of why we don't need to buy into it anymore. So the backdrop of Jeremiah's preaching is in the last years of Judah's existence as an independent political entity. They are uh, exiled by the Babylonian empire. They lose everything taken from their land, their home, their culture, loss, everything. Meanwhile, Jeremiah is daring to preach amidst all this. He is reminding them of their relationship with Yahweh that goes with them. He's using ancient proverbial wisdom. He's using poetry like in the passage I read today. He's saying things like, blessed are those who trust in God. Your life has been torn apart, but you will be like a tree planted by water. (laughs) You won't fear when heat comes. You won't fear when loss comes, when exile comes. Your leaves stay green. In the year of drought, you're not anxious. You don't cease to bear fruit. Jeremiah is daring to speak hope amidst a backdrop of total chaos. He's saying that there is always a way forward via a posture our hearts can take. Because what happens when we are in chaos? Can you draw from any chaos lately? What happens when we are in pandemic realities? political and societal turmoil, constant social media bickering. What happens when we become so caught up or so bogged down by all this with fear or anger or worry or frustration? We, we get untethered. We become unrooted. We get disconnected from our own hearts. Disconnected from the truth of our own divine image and the Imago day of others as well. Jeremiah is trying to say, stay. Stay, even as you lose your sense of home, even as you go, stay in divine alignment. When we ground ourselves in God's presence, on the daily, we become people who are marked by abundance, even amidst hardship, fear, and grief. We become people who live and move out of this abundance. People who fully exist instead of constantly react. Are you fully existing or are you constantly reacting? So stay, stay rooted in divine presence. Stay awake to God's presence. Stay in touch with the message of Imago Dei every day. Allow it to mark your heart at every moment. There have been times and there will be more when our hearts act out of our trauma narratives, out of our loss or fear or anxiety or reactivity. Jeremiah is saying don't choose that for yourself. Don't trust in that posture. He's saying, choose fullness, fill yourself up with the wisdom of God. Choose fullness, fill yourself up with the stuff of spirit. Choose fullness because divine presence in your life will be revealed by the state of your own heart. And you can trust it. You can be grounded, you can be at peace, firmly planted, rooted in the things of God, and you can determine whether you are living in divine alignment. The text says God tests the mind and searches the heart. Might our hearts reveal what we are being shaped by? I think so. So what? So tend to the things of faith. Though we don't always understand or find the answers we seek, we hold on tight. We don't give up on tending to the things of faith. We practice Trusting our own spirit so that we can figure out where we find grounding and Where we feel rooted because where you in your own beautiful uniqueness Find steadiness in this world is where you experience divine presence This discovery is yours alone and my guess is it feels a lot like peace like joy like freedom from fear like abundance amidst drought hope Amidst the shitstorms of life. Sorry, kids. (laughs) The heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? Who can have clarity? God? Divine presence? That's what the text says. Well, guess what? God is in you. Wake up to what is already true. Your heart is not deceitful. In fact, you were made in the image of God. Now tend to that image, little one. That's what I would tell my younger self. Even so, it's not too late now. Father Greg Boyle says, some of our versions of God need to be replaced in a hurry. And I agree, let's hurry. With urgency, let's move away from any narrative of God that harms us or anyone else. Let's move away from theologies that are unhealthy. Let's move toward good health, toward the God who nurtures, who loves us, and wants us to be well. Because what we don't need in these times is more separation between us and God, between body and spirit, between things that are seen in divinity. They say the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. They point to scripture, snatching words from their original context in one fell swoop, taking our permission, our ability to question without hesitation, wrenching away our god They say the heart is deceitful, but conveniently, theirs is trustworthy. Theirs is in line with whatever capital T truth benefits their paradigm. Who is they, you may ask? It's any system or person keeping us from God's beauty. It's any church that would silence our spirit. Sometimes it's our own trauma or ego speaking. Often it's the powers that be, but younger self, present self, future self, here's the T. It's okay to believe that you are made in God's image. That the divine dwells within you, that your spirit, body, instincts, ideas, and abilities are sacred vessels. It's okay to believe it, and then it's okay to live like it. Amen.